0: I'm Jeff Scheckman. I suppose it's the historian's curse sometimes that people that they're writing about become such icons that getting to the truth often becomes impossible. Certainly two such icons of our time, of the civil rights era, are Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. Both have become larger-than-life characters whose actions and whose longtime friendship and then estrangement shape not one, but several areas of our cultural landscape. In their new book, Blood Brothers, historians Randy Roberts and Johnny Smith attempt to restore the men behind the myth by delving into their two-year relationship and a bond that altered both lives and affected millions of others. Randy Roberts is a distinguished professor of history at Purdue University. He's an award-winning author. He's written biographies of numerous iconic athletes. And it is my pleasure to welcome Randy Roberts here to talk about his newest work, Blood Brothers, the Fatal Friendship Between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Randy, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. Talk a little bit about how the two of them, how Malcolm X and uh, Muhammad Ali at that time, Cassius Clay, met back in 1962.
1: Cassius had started to flirt with the Nation of Islam when he was in Miami, where he was training after the Olympic Games. He went down to Miami and he lived in a... In an African American section of miami, and he 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 became interested in the nation actually had even been interested before and he had met a man named Captain Sam who worked at the mosque in uh in miami and Captain had Sam had kind of mentored him a little bit and introduced him to the right people and in nineteen sixty two in june nineteen sixty two Captain Sam called Cassius, who at that time Cassius was in Louisville's hometown and was after a fight, and said, "Look." Uh, there's going to be a big rally of the nation in Detroit. Uh, how about if I come and pick you up and take you and you know you can uh, hear Elijah Muhammad speak and meet Malcolm X. And Cassius said, fantastic, you know. And, he, uh, and so Captain Sam picked Cassius and his brother uh, Rudy at that time, and they went and they went to a luncheonette before the rally. And there, sitting in the back of the luncheonette, facing the door. He always sat facing the door. Was Malcolm X. And so Captain Sam went over and said, Malcolm, there's somebody, Brother Malcolm, there's somebody I want you to meet. And Cassius puts out his hand and says, hello, I'm Cassius Clay. And now he had said, hello, I'm Cassius Clay to a million people. Everybody had heard about Cassius Clay. He loved saying his name, Cassius Marcellus Clay. Isn't that a beautiful name? Everybody knew about that. The rising contender said he was the most beautiful, that he was unbeatable. Everybody except for Malcolm. So Malcolm shook his hand, but Malcolm had no idea who Cassius Clay was. He didn't follow boxing. He didn't, he believed that professional sports, ex, and particularly boxing, exploited blacks in America. So he didn't know. But there was something that he saw in Cassius Clay this sense of boundless energy, this Undeniable charisma, the good looks, the carriage, the pride that he had, and it attracted Malcolm. You know, whether Malcolm knew at that point that there was going to be a place for Cassius Clay in his life, I doubt, but he realized it soon afterwards.
0: Did he realize it from an exploitive point of view? Did he see someone that, that he could use in the movement, or was there something else there in terms of a more personal bond? That's a
1: fantastic question. I think the answer is yes to both of those. Okay, Malcolm was committed to the nation of Islam. He was committed to the cause. So he saw everything in his world in how it related to the nation and how it related to the cause. Not saying, hey, I'm going to exploit this guy, but the person can be of value to the nation. Um, but And as they got to know each other, the bond developed in a, in a much more personal way. You know, Freddie Pacheco, who was the fight doctor uh, for Muhammad Ali, and at that time Cassius Clay, Freddie said, you know, it was, it was as if they were brothers. It was as if they loved each other. Uh, you know, the, the two were were very became very, very close. Now, it's not saying they spent a, an inordinate amount of time together. Both of them were very peripatetic. Both of them were busy. Both of them had separate, really, careers that hardly, that hardly came together at all. I mean, if, if, you, if you took their careers and did a Venn diagram, there'd be very little points of intersection, but they made sure that there were more points of intersection, and, 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 and Malcolm became the mentor to Cassius.
0: A mentor in what sense? How did he draw Cassius further into the Nation of Islam?
1: Well, part of it was the message, Okay, and part of it was this message that of separation you know the the separation of races. This is something that had been drilled home to Cassius when he was young by his father who was who who resented certainly resented whites, felt that he was a person of great talents. The father felt that that he was an artist that he was a singer, but his careers had been stunted because of whites because of discrimination and, probably was right. Um, and so, in and, and, and the sense that if you mix with white people, bad things happen. You, get, you can get killed. You know, the story of Emmett Till f- f- loomed large in Clay's early life because Emmett was about the same age as Cassius. And, and in Louisville, there was a family that moved into a white neighborhood, and a, a black family, and their, their house was firebombed. And that was just within blocks of where Cassius grew up. So Cassius grew up with these stories of lynching, stories of violence, of white violence upon blacks. So Cassius was never really anxious to, to accept any sort of movement that, that wanted integration. You know, he didn't want to have anything to do with uh, NAACP. He didn't want to um, go in marches. You know, he didn't, none of that appealed to him. So the message that Malcolm was giving in a much more elaborate way, was the message he had heard by his father at home. Also, he admired Malcolm's strength, how tall he stood, how erect he stood, and how verbally gifted he was. I mean, if we, if you can remember the old Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, I mean, this is a guy of extraordinary verbal gifts. And Malcolm was even more so. And this impressed, I mean, he, he just couldn't believe a person could speak like Malcolm, so proud and, and so defiant, and not get killed. I mean, he was, he was just incredible. He found that incredible. So, you know, both as a person and as an ideology that Malcolm was saying, he, he was very attractive to Cassius.
0: And where does Elijah Muhammad fit into this picture? Elijah Muhammad was the head of the Nation
1: of Islam. Uh, Malcolm X felt that everything he had in life, he owed to Elijah Muhammad, If you can remember back at that period of time, whenever uh, Malcolm would speak, he would always preface, he would say, well, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, or the Honorable Muhammad Elijah believes, you know, he was always giving all credit to Elijah Muhammad. So Clay is hearing about Elijah Muhammad, kind of secondhand from, from Malcolm. But Elijah is keeping Cassius at an arm's distance. Remember, Cassius is a boxer. And nation of Islam has, doesn't truck with boxers. They don't believe in it, um, believe that it's exploited. Also, Elijah and most of the nation believes Cash is, is only going to go so far. He's a very good boxer, but eventually... He's going to have to fight Sonny Liston, and he's going to get embarrassed. He's going to be he's going to be beaten badly. He's going to be knocked out maybe in the first round, maybe in the second. But it's going to go bad. So they're not banking on hey, this guy. You know, we want to build this guy up when he's just going to get defeated. It's Malcolm that has this face in Cassius, unwarranted, almost uh, unnatural face that. Cassius is going to win. Malcolm feels that Allah did not deliver Cassius to him, and Allah did not allow Cassius to rise in ranks, that that Allah had a mission for Cassius, and that mission, there was no way that Cassius was going to lose. You know, that part of Cassius' mission was he's going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. He's going to be the most visible symbol of the nation of Islam. It's just a fundamental faith that this was
0: going to happen. To what extent did Malcolm's ignorance, really, of sports sort of play a role in this, this kind of whimsical belief at the time?
1: Well, that's a good question. He was ignorant of the sport. I mean, he didn't follow boxing, but everybody in America at that time knew who Sonny Liston was. Everybody knew that Sonny Liston had knocked the former champion, Floyd Patterson, out twice in the first round. Sonny Liston seemed instructable. As a matter of fact, Robert Lipsight mm-hmm. wrote an article in, uh, before one of the fights. It was just a sidebar article for the New York Times. And he was covering what what blacks in New York felt about the fight coming up, this Liston-Patterson uh, fight. And he went to an area, and there were some problems, and Malcolm was there. And he was able, actually, to get a quote from Malcolm. And, and the quote was, you know, basically, well, I don't follow boxing, but, you know, I, I don't like the things that Patterson's saying about the nation, because Patterson supported, the, uh, supported King, and he said, so I hope Liston wins. So he knew a little bit about it. I mean, you, the most prestigious individual accomplishment any athlete could achieve in that time was really to become heavyweight champion of the world. You know, Malcolm writes a great deal in his autobiography about Joe Louis and the pride that Joe Louis brought to black American communities in the 1930s and how every, every uh, black... Youth, including Malcolm himself, wanted to be like Joe Lewis. Now Malcolm soon found out he was he was no fighter in the ring, and he wasn 't very talented but you know the the idea of boxing and the cachet that the heavyweight championship carried Malcolm understood that
0: talk about the further context of the time and the way the rise of of cassius clay tied into the whole issue of civil rights in the country and and the the splits that existed between Malcolm and the Nation of Islam and the more traditional civil rights movement.
1: Yes. Uh, By the 60s, the federal government was really—the federal government had a problem. Washington, D.C. had a problem. And the problem was they were in a Cold War with the Soviet Union. And they were— fighting for areas uh, in a Cold War sense in Africa as with the newly emerging, newly independent African nations. And all Africa knew about the United States was there was a severe race problem. And so, you know, what can the federal government do? Well, one of the ways they could do it is to send goodwill ambassadors overseas, black ambassadors, like Rayford Johnson, like uh, Bill Russell, like, you know, a, a whole slew. And, and to talk about, you know, America's trying to help the race problem. Well, Cassius was like this. In the 1960 Olympics, Soviet reporters interviewed Cassius Clay and said, well, you know, tell us about the race problems in America. And Cassius Clay said, wait a second, wait a second. The United States of America is the best country in the world, including yours. And yes, there, it may be hard for me to get a, a meal sometimes in the South, but we got, we got smart people working on that. We're solving our problems. So Cassius kind of sp- begins his career, his public career, as kind of a pitch man for the United States that starts to change. And this is the way most uh, of the leading African-American athletes, they supported integration, they supported Martin Luther King, you know, people like Jackie Robinson, Floyd Patterson went south uh, with Harry Balfani and other leaders. But Cassius starts to move in a different direction. He starts to move to an organization, a nation of Islam, that's saying, things aren't good in America. Things aren't getting taken care of. As a matter of fact, whites are the problem in America, the kind of the blue-eyed devils, the ideology of the nation at that time. And that, you know, we want separation, the separation of races. So he's taking, he's going political in a way that no other athletes are going. You know, I mean, yes, other athletes are involved in the civil rights movement with King, but they're not involved with the nation. So, not only is he alienating white America, he's alienating much of black America, too, that believes in the Orthodox civil rights movement.
0: And talk a little bit about the ongoing conversion of Clay and, and how he continued to move in this direction.
1: From early on, he is definitely moving in that direction. By, oh, late 1962. He is, his statements, when he makes public statements, they're really echoing. I mean, you can hear echoes of Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X in his statements. And, and, and this is the way Clay did things. He, he would listen to speeches. He would listen to them recorded over and over again. And what the, what the speaker said, Elijah Muhammad or, uh, or uh, Malcolm X, would become what he said. And now he's toning it down. He was probably a member already. Okay, maybe not as as we would say a card carrying member, but a member. I mean, he's he's a believer. But he also knows that the day that he announces that he's a member of the Nation of Islam, his career is over. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's not going to be a fight with Sonny Liston. There's not going to be a championship fight uh cuz the Nation of Islam is viewed as an anti-white hate organization at that time, extreme and violent. And if he joins it and says so uh before he's champion, forget it. So it's not until the day after he defeats Sonny Liston, so we're talking about February 26th, 1964, in the press conference after the fight that he finally says, yes, you know, I believe in the nation of Islam, I believe in the, you know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you know, then he comes, it's sort of he comes out at that point, but before then it would have been professional suicide, come
0: out. The other thing that was paralleling this after he comes out is this split that evolves between Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm.
1: That's right. That's going on at this time, okay? Uh, Elijah, Muhammad, and Malcolm X are splitting apart. There's great jealousy in the nation. of You know, Elijah is He's getting old. He's, getting, he's ill. He's spending most of his time in in um, Phoenix, Arizona by this time. Uh, and and he, he may not be around for a long time. So there's kind of a power struggle taking place in the inner sanctum of the nation of Islam. And a lot of people feel that Malcolm has the inner track. I don't think Malcolm ever wanted to replace Elijah Muhammad. But some of the organization is trying to push Malcolm out and they 're saying things about Malcolm to elijah, and so there 's this rift, and Malcolm is kind of chaffing under under the the guidance or under the the, the what 's happening in the nation. You know Malcolm sees problems all around, and he doesn 't feel the nation is doing enough about these problems, and he starts speaking out, and this causes controversy, and then you know he 'll be censored you know most importantly. Uh, you know, President Kennedy is assassinated and Elijah Muhammad tells the ministers, say nothing about this. Okay, do not mention it. You know, this is too hot of a topic. America is too traumatized by it. Say nothing. But Malcolm said something, you know, Malcolm, you know, finally reporters asked him just days after the president was assassinated. You know, what's your opinion? What's your reaction? What do you think?
0: He said the chickens came home to roost.
1: Exactly right. You know, he said, well, to me, this is a case of chickens coming home to roost. you know, kind of violence of America being revisited upon America. And he says, as an old farm boy, you know, I some people feel are sad when chickens come home to roost, but I've always been glad when chickens comes home to roost. Well, he's just in effect saying that he was glad that the president was fascinated. So he was, he was then censored by the, by the nation. So he's being pushed out. He's not allowed to give public statements, but he continues to do it. He sees his way back inside the nation is he's going after clay wins the title he's going to deliver Cassius Clay to Elijah Muhammad. You know, that in in the great rally that's going to take place just the day after the fight, that he's going to go there with Cassius Clay. And it's, you know, can you imagine suddenly now the heavyweight champion of the world is going to be a member of the nation and, and Malcolm's going to deliver it. What Malcolm didn't know is that the nation had already made their decisions to push him out and to bring Clay
0: in. How was Elijah Mohammed and the others that were working with him so effective in really manipulating, which is the only word that comes to mind, manipulating Clay behind Malcolm X's back?
1: Well, I think you have to understand the way Clay viewed Elijah. And it was through Malcolm's eyes. You know, when Malcolm would educate and mentor Clay, he would do the same thing. He would say it the same way. Well, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us this. And everything I own, everything I have in this world, all my respect is due to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So Clay is brought up by Malcolm, mentored by Malcolm, to think that Elijah Muhammad is not just a great man, but a divine man, you know, the, the the greatest man there is. So how now suddenly Malcolm's splitting with Elijah and Malcolm starts talking about Elijah's infidelity. What is Clay supposed to think? Wait a second. You've just been telling me for several years this is the greatest man on earth. This is the everything he says is divine, is holy, is he is our leader. And now you're telling me all that was wrong? You know, that's a very confusing thing to say. And suddenly now Elijah comes into the picture, and he says to Clay, he says, look, Cassius by this time was known as Cassius X. You know, the X was, symbolized his lost African heritage. And only, he can only get a Muslim name from Elijah Muhammad, and so shortly after he wins the title, Elijah Muhammad will give Cassius X the name Muhammad Ali. And when Malcolm hears this on a radio that's uh, uh, it's broadcasting the speech where Elijah gives the name, Malcolm immediately shouts to the person he's with in the car, that's political. That's political. He realizes he's, he's lost the battle. And losing that battle... The Muslims were playing. You know, the Nation of Islam was playing for keeps. That from that point on, his da- his life is in jeopardy. Really,
0: for Malcolm X, the chickens had come home to roost.
1: Uh, I think you're right on that one. I didn't think of it quite that way, but I think, I think that would be uh, absolutely right.
0: And then talk about the fracturing of the relationship, how it continues to fracture between Ali at that point and Malcolm X, and the, the broader impact that it has. Uh,
1: the fracturing.
0: Cassius has had to make a choice.
1: Okay, the Nation of Islam, Elijah Muhammad and his followers and Malcolm X had 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 gone their separate ways I mean it 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 was a rift that was not going to be brought back together so cash that if you were in the nation you were told do not talk with Malcolm X do not associate with Malcolm X Malcolm X is outside of the movement he is no longer a member of the nation so you you don't have a choice of what of of, of dealing with both sides, you have no choice. You have to choose, and Cash has had to choose, and he chose. He chose probably he took the the conservative way out, uh, the easy way out. Is he followed what he felt was the most powerful organization, the most powerful man? You know, now suddenly uh, Malcolm is 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 stripped of everything, of, of, you know, he still has a voice, he still can say things, but he he has no organization behind him. And so Cassius, by this time Muhammad Ali, decides, okay, I'm following um, following Elijah Muhammad, and he turns his back on Malcolm X. And, you know, the final kind of confrontation, if you call it a confrontation, took place in Accra, in in, uh, Africa, where they met each other quite by accident outside of the ambassador hotel. And Malcolm sees sees Mohammed Ali and he says, Mohammed, Mohammed, and he's very happy to see him. Because while he was traveling around Africa, Malcolm he was showing people pictures of him and Cassius Clay, of him and Muhammad Ali and saying, This is my friend, this is my friend And and Muhammad Ali looks at Malcolm cold, daggers in his eyes, and and he says, in effect, you shouldn't have said those things about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You should never have turned your back on Elijah Muhammad. And at that point, Cassius just turns around and walks away. And and Malcolm, it was one of the lowest points in his life. He said, you know, maybe I've lost too much. You know, it's like, wow. This is a guy who was my friend. He was like a blood brother to me. And he's just, he's just, he's just written me out of his life.
0: And how does Ali respond when Malcolm X is assassinated?
1: Well, you know, Mal, uh, Ali had said beforehand uh, when reporters asked him about um, Malcolm X, he, he said, "Well, Malcolm X is, uh, you know, anybody that turns against the honorable Elijah Muhammad is worthy of death." Okay, so he basically said, "You know, this is this is what's worthy of him." And when he hears it, it's like, "Well, he got what it was coming. He got what was coming for." There's a, a famous scene before the second Listen fight, which is just. Only very short time after Malcolm's assassinated in 1965, um, and there's rumors that some of Malcolm's people are going to come and kill Clay, okay, maybe even assassinate him in the ring. and some reporters ask him, "Have you heard this that Malcolm's people are coming up to Lewiston Maine, and you know they're going to assassinate you and maybe shoot you in the ring and Clay was getting a rubdown at this time, and Clay just looks up at the reporters and he says in a cold. Way say Malcolm ain't got no people, you know. It's just dismissive of of Malcolm X, and you know this is this was a hard time for America. It was a hard time for Cassius Clay, and I. One of the things uh, we tried to do in this book is to take the reader back to a time of hard choices, of bitter words, of violence. Uh, You know, it's it's not the Muhammad Ali that we know of today who has evolved into this wonderful symbol of, you know, peace and goodwill. I mean, this is, this is a different time for America. Although some of the issues, many of the issues that Malcolm was fighting for, you know, Malcolm was concerned with police violence against black citizens. And Malcolm was concerned with, you know, not just civil rights, but human rights. These are still issues that are, that are, very out front and very uh, of of concern to Americans today.
0: It's interesting all this history sort of coming back around. The recent documentary about the Black Panthers deals with you know many of these same issues.
1: Right, right. The problem is, and Malcolm was right, is that you know these things are. It's gonna. they're gonna take a lot of work to get solved, and you know. I, it, you know the odd thing is, is both Malcolm X and 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 Martin Luther King. You know, King talked about I Have a Dream speech. And he says, you know, I may not be there. Get there with you to to reach this dream. Malcolm said the same thing. You know, Malcolm Malcolm knew he was going to be assassinated. Uh, you know, somebody asked him about it. And he said, look, I'm a dead man walking. I know that. You know, uh, but he still kept fighting for his dream. He had a dream. He knew he wasn't going to be there. And so it's, you know, we Americans, and we tend to think about fixing things immediately and, okay, they're fixed. Well, it's not that simple. It's
0: simply not that simple. Randy Roberts, he's the co-author of Blood Brothers, The Fatal Friendship Between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Randy, I thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.